friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. On today's show, we're going to talk about some more of the mechanisms that Austin FC is going to be using to get players, and we'll also talk about how much money they're going to have to do it. We also have a few player rumors to get to, uh, so that'll be exciting to talk about. I'm Landon Cottom, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Um, so, Landon, I know on Thanksgiving, y'all had a sort of an intimate family thing, as as we all have, and you were looking for a Thanksgiving-related playlist. And I don't know, did you find anything <laughs> um, specific to that, or how did that go? Yeah, uh, my wife and I and my dog spent spent Thanksgiving together and cooked enough food to feed about 10 people. So we're still like finding creative ways to eat leftovers and making soups out of them and things like that. But um, I did find some music. There's no, I, yeah. And I wasn't actually looking for like Thanksgiving music. I just wanted like music that would be good on Thanksgiving. And I actually, I actually found some, some nice playlists of just like kind of celebratory and positive music. So I, I did find some, some good stuff to listen to. Well, and then the, the, the other thing we talked about is we both had some time in retail, uh, sort of in college, <laughs> which meant that we, what we would now be doing is like going into a month of listening to the same Christmas songs over and over and over again and how bad that was. And so, you know, I think we talked about how before the show that we don't necessarily have like a deep love of, of those holiday songs, but I mean, do you have any favorites? Like, do you have a, an album that you go to or like a song that you go to that sort of means something to you that's a little bit different? I don't like, yeah. So in general, I don't like Christmas music. And I think a lot of people think I'm like a big Scrooge when I say that and like, don't like Christmas. That's not true. I actually really like Christmas and my family has some really nice, like really nice traditions around Christmas. And so I I actually really enjoy that time of year, but I'm the kind of person that like, I don't like to listen to a song over and over. Like it, it gets really annoying. And so and I just like don't enjoy it after a while. And so with Christmas music, I've been listening to the same music for my entire life. Like you hear these songs, like when you're a kid and like certain, certain, uh, like, I don't, for me anyway, like you would hear these songs like multiple times a day for like a month straight. And so I just got really tired of them. And so, um, one thing we turned on while we were, uh, decorating our Christmas tree the other day was the Sufjan Stevens Christmas album, which, um, for people who don't like or like me and don't really get into Christmas music all that much, uh, Sufjan Stevens does, he's got a couple of albums um, and does some like kind of like some pretty bizarre, just like really interesting arrangements of of uh, Christmas songs and it has some like original like holiday songs that are really interesting. So anybody who who's like me and doesn't like Christmas music all that much, check out some Sufjan Stevens Christmas music and maybe that'll that'll do it for you. Yeah, I feel like at some point they just stopped making Christmas music. Like even the stuff that was new Christmas music is like twenty year old Christmas music, right? Like <laughs> yeah, Mariah Carey. Mariah like, Carey. Oh, Mariah yeah, Carey. Right? She made that. all I want for Christmas is you. It's different, and now it's like, oh, I just like want to stab myself in the ear with a you know a needle anytime I hear it. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's potential out there. Maybe we're just in like this, you know, social media post ironic. We can't make new Christmas music era. I'm not. I'm not really sure, but um, maybe we should talk about soccer. Yeah, let's do it. So we uh, we're recording this part of the show on Sunday. So we actually just finished watching the Columbus and Nashville game. Um, 
which Columbus ended up winning. How's your, did you make a bracket, Jeremiah? How's your bracket looking? I, I did not make a bracket and it would have looked terrible. Um, cause I know, you know, we talked with Phil and like I was all in on Philadelphia. Like I love that story. You know, I was ready for them to go to, to go all the way. Um, and that did not happen. And then I just can't get like, I can't, I, I still like, I want to like Columbus, but I can't quite make it happen <laughs> to pull for them. Uh, yeah, I, I think Columbus is fun to watch, but I did, I, I have enjoyed Nashville's story. And so, um, I actually, I think I picked, I picked Columbus and Philly to be in the conference finals. So I, I got the Columbus part, right. But, um, I think, yeah. And then I picked Seattle on the other side. So that, that part's still looking good, but I picked Philly to make the final. And so that's impossible at this point. Uh, but the games have been crazy still. So, uh, lots of entertaining soccer going on. Not, not always like the highest quality soccer in some of the cases, but it's been fun regardless. So MLS is, uh, is, is definitely living up to expectations for sure. Did you watch the Orlando, the insanity in like the Orlando New England game this afternoon? Uh, yes. The red card and then like Nani just flipping out. And yeah. He's like possessed by a demon out. or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were talking in Slack about, I mean, he, the ref was super kind to just not call him, you know, to not, that was that they, they were lucky they weren't 11 on nine. You know, he didn't also get another red and he yeah. was relentless. Like he never, he never chilled out. It was like 15 minutes later and he was like still screaming and pointing and saying words that I had made sure I had to tell the kids to look away from the TV. Right, what yeah. they were going on because they were so obvious, and could have understandably given yellows to some of the other Orlando players too for for the way they were talking to him. So it was it was crazy, but um, yeah, it was again entertaining if nothing else, <laughs> for sure. All right, uh, let's go through some quick Austin FC on field news. So there's no academy game this last week. So uh, they're going to be playing their last game of the fall season on December 5th against Solar SC, which is uh, a Dallas team that's very highly regarded. So that should be a pretty good test for them. Uh, Guarani lost to Grimio in the Copa Libertadores match they played on Thanksgiving Day. Um, So there's going to be a return leg, which I believe is this week. Uh, I don't remember what day it's on, but... Uh, they're going to Grimio and facing a two nil deficit. So they've, they've got a lot to do to, to save this one. Uh, and Grimio's looked quite good against them. So I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Um, Rodney was on the bench. Cecilia started. Cecilia looked okay. He, he had some, some bright moments, but, uh, just as a team, Grimio were much better than, than what So I don't know how much he could have done really, even if he did play really well, but, um, I think he, on Sunday, it's like today when we're recording, he scored a goal in a, in a league game. Cecilia did. So he's, he's in decent form still. So we'll see if they can, they can pull up the, pull off the upset against Grimio in the Libertadores match this week. Um, let's jump into a couple of transfer rumors real quick. So one of them that we've been seeing is Mesut Ozil. Do you think that's for real, Jeremiah? Could that is is that you not not even if it's like actually happening but you think it even could happen i love it so i think i'm i don't know i have a really hard time figuring out if this is like the you know new messy to austin thing right or if it's if it's like a complete pipe dream or uh, you know if it's a realistic possibility obviously if it was a 
possibility. I mean, you you can't imagine a better player um, to have. You know, he's what 30, 32 ish. I think. Tell you. But he's like super productive still. So I mean, it's not. You know, we, I keep going back to this, but it's not like Gerard or um, or Pirlo. You know, is signing yeah. and sort of sitting back and doing nothing. Like there's a lot of talent there, but I do think it's just really European fans, particularly wanting to to have a player they have a connection with that they've seen have success, maybe more than it's realistic. What do you, what do you think about it? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I like, I, I don't think it will happen. Like I, there, we haven't heard like any credible rumors about this. I think well, like what you said, it's more just fans like hoping it will happen. Uh, but also just from things that, uh, that Claudio has said about how he wants to build the roster, it just doesn't seem very in line with any of that either. So, I would, yeah, I would guess that this is not a very realistic transfer just because of his age. He's, he's not super old. He he turned 32 in October, um, but he's, he's had injuries over the years and it's going to cost a lot of money. Like even if, so his contract expires in June, so we could get him on a free, but his wages are going to be super high. He's, he's going to want a lot of money and it just doesn't really line up with, with how Claudio said he wants to build this roster. Um, another one that I thought that I think could be uh, a realistic possibility is Aaron Johansson. So he mentioned in, um, there, there'd been some rumors and he actually mentioned in an, in an interview that he is interested in moving to MLS. Like it's a thing that he would like to do one day. So, um, I, that's one that depending on the money, I would, I would be interested to see that one. Yeah, I agree with that too. You know, he had the run with the national team and then he was hurt. He spent four years in Germany where he played, I think, 28 total matches over four years. Um, but over the last 18 months or so, he's been healthy and he scored, I think, 12 goals in 22 matches in, in Sweden this year. And then you looked him up on transfer market, right? I mean, he's. Yeah, like tra- he transfer market really, has really affordable. Market value estimated at 275000 Um, It could be higher than that, it could be lower than that. But. At that money, like you could potentially even get him on a TAM deal and not make him a DP. If we could get him like on a TAM deal, I I would be very interested in that deal Um, on a DP deal, just mostly because of his just kind of being unproven. I know he's been really good this year, but he had four years there where he hardly played any and, um, I would just be worried that he's going to have another one of those dips or has injuries or something. And we sign this unproven guy on a DP contract. Um, that would worry me. But if we could get him on a TAM deal, I would be very interested in that one. So you don't want to be FC Cincinnati. I think we talked about that too, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you don't want to pay a whole bunch of money for people who don't, who don't produce at all. And that's a risk there, right? With him, yeah. Is that it might happen. It might go that way. Hello, everybody. Uh, we are going to cut in for just a moment because we recorded uh, the original part of the show on a Sunday, and uh, we were supposed to have an interview here that ended up not working out. But then we also got some uh, some like semi rumors about player transfers coming through, so we decided we'd jump in and talk about some of that for a little bit. So today on Instagram, Miguel Layun. Uh, posted photos of him and his family in Austin. Uh, I, I watched some of the his Instagram stories and I watched through them and he mentioned that he hadn't traveled since the pandemic started and was asking for tips on how to do it safely and kind of how to still enjoy yourself. Um, 
there haven't been any other rumors anywhere else about this. This is, seems like another one that's just kind of coming from fans. But the fact that he's in Austin right now, like, I'd say there's at least a little bit of smoke there. Maybe it, it what do you think? Is that just a pure coincidence or do you think there might be something to that? I, you know, it seems like there might be something to it. He's certainly making the most of it, right? Because he's, you know, he had that post and he's like engaging throughout. I don't know the, I believe he liked a Los Verdes tweet about it. Um, he's interacted with some people who have commented on it. So he's certainly living his best social media life about it, whether it's actually a rumor, uh, there's any truth to it or not. Yeah. So Miguel Ayun, uh, he's 32 years old, currently plays for uh, Monterrey in Mexico. He's got one year left on his contract. Um, as far as position goes, he's a really flexible player, it seems. I'm not I'm not going to lie to you and say that I've watched a ton of Miguel Ayun other than uh, mostly with the, the national team is where I would have seen him with the Mexican national team. Um, but he plays he can play fullback he can play like outside midfielder i looked through some of the more recent games and almost everywhere on the field it's left wing back right wing back left back right back attacking midfielder defensive midfielder so he seems to be extremely versatile and can play in a lot of different places still playing a lot did you jeremiah how, how many games did you say he had played in this season yeah, so he played and started in all 17 matches that Monterey played this year. So he's full he's a full-time starter there. Okay, so yeah, he's still playing a lot. So 32, it's it's not young, but it's not that old either. So uh that that part of it doesn't concern me too much. Um would you is is this a, a move that you would be happy with, Jeremiah? Well, I I mean I think so. Like you said, I don't I don't watch a ton of League MX and I don't know a lot about him, but I know like for the group of people that that we know in Austin, it was a very exciting connection. Because he is the guy that Sergio Tristan wrote about being the one Mexican national team player that was the best fit uh, for Austin FC. Yeah, so that's right. He seems excited about it, and he knows a hell of a lot more about the national team and who would be a good fit in work than I would. And he's excited about him for his versatility as a player and sort of his potential to be a star, too, which is something that we talked about a little bit before we started recording. Yeah, so my one concern about this, I, I like Miguel Ayun. Uh, he's a very engaging person, like a very charismatic person, really good on social media, seems to be like a pretty savvy like business mind as well. Like he's he's probably taking care of himself as far as like sponsorship deals go and things like that. Um, so I think he would come here and be a star just because he, he also speaks English quite well. So that's another thing just from a marketing standpoint. Um, if... Uh, we, we we were talking about the other day about Cecilio. Cecilio is a very uh, charismatic guy. It seems like a really fun guy, but he doesn't speak English. And so I think he'll he'll still be popular. But as far as just like his sheer marketability and like becoming a like one of the faces of the team, I think the fact that he doesn't speak English quite well will hinder that. It's not um, I, players in MLS have done that. Like Joseph Martinez uh, didn't, didn't speak a lot of, uh, English when he came to the league and he's, he's improved a lot, but he still became a superstar just because of how good he was. But Miguel Ayun, I think even if he's just a decent player would still be a really big star just because of the, like the character that he is. And so that part I would be excited about. One thing that concerns me is the money. So, um, some of the other players we talked about are, we might be able to get them for free. It could, because they're out of contract. Uh, but Miguel Ayun still has one year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he's got Looks one like, year left on his deal. And he's yeah. what? He's like $2 million on trans, 
Transfer market's got it. I think it's yeah. Transfer market has him at two point two million dollars as his his market value. So, um, if we I don't we may be able to get him for less than that. But uh, in regardless, it, we're looking at like designated player money at that point. So if there's a way we could get him and not use um, a defensive position, and like I said, he can play some midfield as well, but. If we could get him on a TAM deal, I would say absolutely. Doing a DP deal worries me a little bit, but I'm I'm not entirely against it. So that one, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Like I said, there's there's not been any substantiated rumors anywhere other than fans seeing that he's in Austin and getting excited about it. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, another one that we saw yesterday and kind of gained some traction today is Paul Aguilar who is a 34-year-old right back uh, at Club America. I think he's been at America for like 10 years or something like that. His contract is ending, and he has announced that he will not be re-signing with Club America. Uh, And then there were some tweets from Cesar Caballero and Salvador Perez, uh, who are seem to be reporters, one of them with ESPN Mexico, and I'm not sure where the other one works, but... um, uh, I think report. he's goal, goal.com. I think goal. it's where the other okay. Yep. Uh, so they're both saying that uh, Aguilar will definitely be going to MLS. That's what they're hearing is that he's leaving America, going to MLS. Um, and then they've mentioned that clubs have, uh, have contacted uh, Aguilar. And one of the clubs that have contacted him is Austin FC. So um, what seems to be uh, fairly substantiated is the fact that he is likely going to MLS, but as far as the Austin FC connection, there doesn't seem to be a ton other than these two guys tweeting and like, seems to be like referencing each other. So like one of them tweeted and said like, I heard it from this guy. And the other one, I heard it from this guy. (laughs) And so we're not seeing it anywhere else. And so who knows if it's true or not, but, um, this one, I'm, I'm a little less, uh, less keen on this one, mostly because of the age. What, what, how does that one strike you, Jeremiah? Yeah, I mean, 34-year-old, out of contract. Like, it just doesn't seem like a good fit for what I know about what we're trying to do. Because you're only, what, you've got one, two seasons out of it, maybe. I mean, it just doesn't seem like an excellent fit. But um, I mean, the guy's played for a long time, and he's been successful. There's, so there's a reason for it. But yeah, this is, uh, I did post a yawn emoji on Twitter when, when I saw this rumor. It's <laughs> like, I'm not, not that, I'm not that stoked about it, for sure. Yeah, and uh, part of this is I I'm not that familiar with Paul Aguilar. Like I just I don't know much about the guy. I have not tr- like historically watched a ton of Liga MX, and so I don't know that much about him. I we'll we'll have to keep an eye on this, and if if it starts to gain traction, we'll we'll try to get some more informed opinions on the show uh, than ourselves on this topic. But um, the money would be a bit easier on this one. He is out of contract at the end of this year. So December 31st, his contract is up. Transfer Mark has him listed at 1.1 million. Not that we would be paying that if he was out of contract, but um, it means that his, his wage demands would probably be a little bit lower. And I could almost guarantee we could get that kind of player uh, not on a DP contract. And so it would make it a little easier to just like to take a chance on it. If you thought maybe he would be successful um, whereas the Lyun one, depending on what the money is, it may be, uh, creaking into that DP contract level. So 
um yeah we'll we'll keep an eye on these two these two and uh whichever others come up in between now and the next time we talk to you but so we we're gonna cut back into the rest of the show where we rudely interrupted ourselves but uh yeah enjoy the rest of the show Absolutely. Um, that's a good transition into the next thing we were going to talk about is the the 2020 MLS off-season calendar. So there's essentially a list of dates where each one of these mechanisms is going to come into play, um, where Austin FC is going to going to get players out of out of these different systems. So we talked a lot about the expansion draft on the last episode. Um, so that is within this calendar, but we're, let's just kind of go through these dates and, um, and yeah, just talk about the different ways that Austin FC is going to be getting players over the next month or so. So did you have any idea before we start just about how many dates there were and how many different types of ways of acquiring? I mean, it's absurd, right? Is that what you thought when you looked at it? I have heard of all of these things, but I don't know that I could have told you when they all happen and that they're necessarily all different things from each other. <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're at home, I would encourage you to take notes to like understand every step. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're driving, like, please don't try to keep <laughs> up with it, you know, like read, read the show notes later. Cause there are so many things, but yeah, we'll start it and I'll kind of run through the calendar. Um, and we've done a little bit of research into, uh, what's happened in the past with each of these, uh, uh, segments so that we have some idea of sort of what we can expect in terms of number and quality of players there. But the first um, deadline, which again is a little unsure about when we'll see the results of is on November 30th, the clubs that are not in the playoffs have to submit bona fide offers or exercise options to the league office. So basically everybody that hasn't made the playoffs has to make their roster decisions about who they're going to keep. And that's for, um, expiring contracts essentially they have to make a decision on renewing those or if they're gonna like any any other reason that a player might be leaving they need to make those decisions by the 30th and then we've so we've seen i think a few teams have published our list i know atlanta did um we talked about one more too but Uh, chicago is has posted theirs really early so we'll um one of the interesting things is the the roster decisions are going to be publicized by the clubs individually, and there's no date on when that has to happen. And so even though all of these had to be submitted this week, um, we might not hear about any of that until later on. And I imagine there's some um, some strategic reasons for not wanting to announce it, some of them having to do with the expansion draft and like not letting teams know who who's like not tipping your hand of who's going to be available during that until later on but um but yeah that's and then the next one is going to be for all the teams that were in the playoffs it looks like they'll have uh one day after they're eliminated to to submit those so um it's essentially if if a team gets beat they have one day from from then to turn in those roster decisions Right, and then on the twelfth, on December twelfth, then we have the MLS Cup final, correct? Which is sort of an important day. <laughs> then on the thirteenth, just because of the way the schedule works, and this was, uh, I think it was a forty-eight hour period last year, but on the thirteenth, um, we have a half-day trade window that opens before the fourteenth when the players are announced, before the fifteenth in the expansion draft, 
Um, but we did. Look, did you look back at the 2019 trade window? Any? I've looked up this MLS article, soccer article, um, and I it, particularly with a focus on um, what the expansion teams did. And I know Nashville uh, did a really good job in that trade window of acquiring players. Yeah. So one, I think one that really stuck out to me is um, Dax McCarty. They paid one hundred thousand dollars for Dax McCarty, which for uh, he's he's a little bit older now but for as influential of a player as he has been in the league for as long as he has been that's a steal and like so it's looking at some of the numbers i think that's my main takeaway of looking at some of these numbers is that um there are deals to be had and you can get dax mccarty's out there for almost no money but then also darlington nagby um one of the best players in the league they bought him for a million dollars. And so it's a lot of money in MLS, but it's also like Austin FC. And we'll get into this a little bit later. Austin FC is going to have a little bit of money to spend this year since they're an expansion team. So uh, it's, it's realistic for us to go out and buy an MLS player from another team. That's at the caliber of Darlington Nagby or uh, Walker Zimmerman costs around a million dollars as well. So I think now that I'm understanding the context of these numbers and like being able to, to fit that into like how much Austin FC is going to have to spend. It's, it's really interesting to think about what kinds of players within the league that we would be able to either get for, through these mechanisms or just buy or trade for. Yeah, and that's something I, I didn't realize before looking into this that that was even a possibility. Like to me, following your average sports, you think a trade window would involve like trading players for players, you know, like that's what happens in the National Football League and Major League Baseball and whatever. But, you know, a lot of these are like just trading players for money. And so Austin should be a part of that. So we might, even before the expansion draft, there's, I feel like there's a pretty good possibility that we're going to have at least one more, you know, player, depending on how, how everything breaks and, you know what the math looks like, but you feel like if Claudio's as prepared as as we say about having multiple people at multiple positions, that that is um, something that's quite likely to happen. Um, yeah. One one negative thing about that half day window for Austin FC is that um, some of these teams that we talked about in our expansion draft episode, we're, we're looking at some of these rosters and saying, oh, they have so many players that are so good. They're not going to be able to protect all of them. They're going to get this half day window to maybe sell some of these players. And so they can sell them on for real money as opposed to giving them away for essentially free. If we take a player from a team, that team gets $50,000 in allocation money. So they don't get nothing. But if it's a player you can sell for twice that or three times that, then you're going to want to sell them first, right? And so this half day window will give those teams an opportunity to do that. For Yeah, for sure. So then so that's the 13th and the 14th, like we said, that um, is when... Austin FC will know who all is available for the expansion draft. And then y'all covered the expansion draft a lot um, on the last show. It's the, the, the nerdiest segment we've ever done, but also <laughs> but it was super popular, right? I mean, yeah, people, people, we've gotten really good, uh, really good feedback from it. And so, yeah, people seem to like it. So we'll definitely have uh, a lot more roster news. Now that there is more roster news, we'll definitely spend a lot more time talking about that kind of stuff. Cause not only like do we want to talk about it, but it seems like that's what people want us to talk about as well. Yeah, and then so we and we just for upcoming shows, like we'll probably I mean the plan is it's on a Tuesday and we usually release on a Tuesday. So we'll probably do a show that day after the draft and maybe dive into our five new players and then put that on a Wednesday. So we're excited about doing that. Um and then immediately the next day, the sixteenth is when the 
December 16th is when the end of year waiver process takes place. And that's in reverse order of 2020 season finish. Um, this time though, Austin will be the 27th pick in each round. Correct. Each round leading you to believe that there are multiple rounds where full sets of players are picked. But again, we looked at the 2019 waiver <laughs> process and that is not the case. Do you remember how many players went like total of the uh, 26, 26 available slots? I think, was it four in the first round and two in the second yeah. round or was it the other way oh, around? Oh, no, no. That's the, that's the re-entry draft. We haven't got there oh, yet. Oh, sorry. This, this is the, yeah, the waiver draft, which is before the re-entry draft. But yeah, it was also four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so four four players went out of 26 potential spots um, in, the, in the 2019 end of year waiver draft. I remember, if I remember right, there was like, you know, it was backup goalkeepers and people that played three games and things like that. Like there was nothing... Um, super interesting out of that. But also on that day is when free agency opens. And that's when you'll see maybe a little more movement and a little more, um, you know, quality squad players added to the roster. Yeah. And I think especially this year in, in years past, like there are free agents, but um, free agency in MLS is not like other American leagues. It's, it's pretty restrictive. There's, you have to have been in the in the league for X number of years and be older than X number of years old. And they've actually loosened some of those. And so I believe it was 28 years old and like eight years of MLS service. Now it's 24 years old and uh, have completed five years of MLS service. So um, there's going to be a lot more players to choose from in that. So we talked about the waivers and the re-entry stuff. Like we're probably not going to get a lot of players out of those, but free agency could be a, a decent source for, for getting some, some good players. Yeah. And that's where the thing about um, sort of the, the changing financials related to the pandemic and, and everything else probably helps out too. Right. Cause that's where we've got a ton of money available and we should have some flexibility and negotiate a better deal than we might have. Um, otherwise in free agency, just because there's not going to be as much competition um, or demand. And then also we saw that article about the salary cap for 2021, uh, which shows that it will be the same as 2020. Yeah. I, so I looked into, I couldn't find that confirmed okay. anywhere. Okay. Um, but we saw a rumor about it, about yeah, the salary cap for 2021. I, it, it's, it's not a thing that would surprise me. So even though we haven't, I haven't seen that confirmed anywhere. Um, at the beginning of 2020, there were, all these new collective bargaining agreement negotiations going on and then COVID hit and all of that kind of went out the window. And so 2021 was supposed to be a big jump up in spending. And I would be really shocked if that happened at this point, I'd imagine it would be, it will stay the same. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get into some of those numbers here in a bit, but we're going to go on 2020 numbers just because we don't really expect them to get raised at this point. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so after free agency on the 16th, then we get to the re-entry process, which for some reason is stage one, stage two. Um, it has to, again, there's specific sets about eligible players. These are players who are 22 years old, have one year of service, and their contract options were not exercised by their clubs, or they did not receive a bona fide offer. And the important thing here is to, is to know that there were four total players claimed in stage one in 2019, and I went back and looked at 2018, and there were three total players claimed. So there's not going to be a ton going on in that round. And then on December 22nd is uh, stage two of that. And I believe, like again, like there were two players last year and uh, Juan Aguadello was the only one 
of note. I think among those two, those two groups, like I think he was the only person that played more than like six matches or something total out of those. There were a lot of backup goalkeepers and like end of their squad guys and stuff like that. So I would not expect a lot out of uh, the re-entry draft process other than maybe you got to have people to kick balls around in practice. Yeah. Um, and after that, then we get to the super draft, which we talked a little bit about. And when time comes, we will talk more about, and then, you know, then we get into this MLS transfer window, which is something or the international transfer window in the winter, which we talked a lot about. Um, we get players from other places and we can't figure out exactly when. And I think you should expand on that a little bit, Landon. Yeah. So I, I think in the early, like these, all these st- complicated stages we just went through, but specifically the expansion draft and then um, free agency, all of this is going to, not all of it, but the majority of of this, the next few weeks or the next month or so are going to be domestic moves. So like within MLS, and that's that's just kind of how MLS has to work with the the salary cap and and all of these mechanisms in place. You're going to build the core of your roster from players who are already playing in MLS. So that's what we're going to see over the next month or so. Um, I would expect late, um, yeah, late December, and then probably into January. That's when we're going to start seeing some of these these other bigger names happening. Um, these international transfers, I think that's going to be the time period that we can expect some of that to start happening. Yeah, cool. And another thing that people necessarily didn't have a lot of knowledge about is sort of how much money Austin FC has his disposal overall, um, as far as what the salary budget is and the money for the individual components and all that. And you did go look that up. So you can go through some of the, some of a few of the key points. So th- this was inspired by a question from Mark Toast. Uh, he he listened to the last episode talking about the expansion draft. And so his question was, one thing that I don't have any idea for is how much money Austin FC have at their disposal, both for acquisition and for player salaries. I know you said on the last episode that over $500,000 is a lot for a salary, but a little more context would be really great. Thanks for all you guys do. So thanks for the question, Mark, and thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to do my best to (laughs) try to lay out all the math that goes into how much money Austin FC is going to have to spend. So the base structure is what's called the salary budget. Um, Every MLS team has $4.9 million worth of salary budget to spend on their, their senior roster. On top of that salary budget, you have what's called allocation money. Uh, we're not going to get into the weeds on allocation money right now, but essentially there's $1.5 million of general allocation money, $2.8 million of targeted allocation money that can be spent over that $4.9 million base salary. Um, on top of that, as an expansion team, we'll get some extra allocation money to spend if we want to. Uh, We don't know exactly what that's going to be, but for last season's expansion teams, we know it was $2.5 million. So I would expect it to be something similar to that. Then in the expansion draft rules, there there was a, a section that mentioned that because there are 10 ineligible teams in the expansion draft, that we would receive some extra allocation money on top of that. And so all of that added together, um, it's going to be... $11.725 million to 
uh, spend on transfers and salaries. So that's transfers and salaries would be added together and I'll, I'll be taken out of that $11.725 million, uh, plus whatever that extra amount for the expansion draft is, since we don't know what that is. Um, I'm not going to add it in, but 11.7 plus whatever that amount is. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is that does not include all of what designated players will cost. So a, a designated player, regardless of what you pay for them and regardless of what you pay them, only uh, $612,500 go towards your salary budget. And so um, on top of that, you can pay them whatever you want. So like um, I think Carlos Vela makes five or $6 million a year all that counts towards their salary budget is $612,000. Um, so that's not counted in that. So for three, those three designated players, we can pay whatever we want and it's going to cost the same amount. It's going to look the same in the salary budget regardless. So, um, 11.725 million plus this expansion draft money, plus whatever we spend on DPs is essentially what we're going to have. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that is, and you can also you can move some of that around, right? Like because you make trades with other teams for additional additional TAM, additional GAM. Absolutely, we're probably going to be we're going to be giving up, right? We're going to be giving it up for players probably now, or we could get more of it as well. So during the expansion draft, um, we could either if we pick a player, we could either trade them for another player, or we could just trade them for allocation money, and we just have more money that we can spend on salaries and transfers. Yeah, so that's just just a starting point um, for you know it's just the MLS way to do things for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I saw I did I believe, look so like the average salary is four eleven, but that's not really necessarily reflective because like with, with what you said with what the DPS make, um, because they because I guess like his lot time made seven over seven million when he was at LA, but you know he only counted six hundred thousand gets a cap, so it's a little it's a little hard to to really translate that and down to like what the what the average player actually makes. But I think your point earlier about, you know, 500 and up is a lot is still stands for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Hopefully that helps Mark. Um, Any of you who are listening to this and, and uh, have more questions about it, feel free to find us on Twitter or whatever. I like talking about this kind of stuff, but um, we'll find other, other moments in the show going forward to, to really dive into some of this stuff. And hopefully we can do it as we have examples, right? Like as we have players that we're using these things or we make a trade, I think those will be good moments for us to talk about these other mechanisms like GAM and TAM when it's like there's a concrete thing that we're paying attention to that makes sense to us. That's when it's really going to be easier to understand. So we'll definitely take those moments in future shows to uh, to do those kinds of things. Jeremiah, we talked a little bit about this before. Um, do you think you could guess the top three spending teams? And mind you, this is going to be from 2019 because we don't have the salary numbers for 2020. So for 2019, do you think you could name the top five teams? I can. Okay, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess LA, LA, uh, Toronto, Seattle, and Atlanta. Um, so for 2019, the Chicago Fire were in the top five. Oh my God. How does that happen? I think because of Bastian Schweinsteiger, he was making a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and then I don't know who else they were paying, but yeah, it's amazing. They were in there. Uh, but yeah, it's in for 2019 salaries. It was Toronto C, 
LA Galaxy, Chicago Fire, LAFC, Seattle Sounders. And then the bottom five were uh, FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo, Red Bulls, Colorado, Vancouver. So the lowest uh, lowest salaries for what was Vancouver, and they they have a salary like a total salary budget of eight thousand or sorry eight million one hundred fifty two thousand. The top one was Toronto, and they were just over twenty four million. And so. Where do you where where can we expect Austin FC to, to like land in this in this uh, this spectrum? Yeah, that's something I've I thought a lot about. And if you read a lot of his speculation just abroad, everybody seems to think just because of sort of Anthony Precourt's relative, you know, financial wherewithal compared to other you know like mega billionaire owners that will be kind of low. But I don't know if there's any basis for that. Like I feel like we were probably not going to be the LA Galaxy, you know. But I don't I don't see any potential for us also being like Vancouver or anything. Um, I think that just if you look at the investments that the clubs made, like in sort of in the front office and things like that, like it would be really goofy to like spend a bunch of money on Adrian Healy and sell a bunch of giant sponsorships and then just like roll out a garbage team. FC, yeah. A garbage <laughs> team that you're not spending any money on, you know, now maybe, I mean, you have to be economical, right? I mean, there's just like math you have to follow. And I feel like that, they've shown their hand a little bit on that just in terms of like making sure that to have like Josh and Claudio and people that are really experienced in MLS, right. And, and building a system and having a structure that they're going to be smart about it. Not just like write giant checks, but you know, that doesn't, but you can do that in MLS. And we looked at the comparison to the premier league where I think it was like 10 X is like the highest and the lowest in terms of salaries. This is three. So the frame's a lot smaller. And then um, you've also had some conversations kind of around, uh, Precote's role model and what they're looking to build off of. So why don't you yeah. add, add on with that? Yeah. So I think a good model for us to aim, like aim for is going to be uh, Portland. So Portland spends, as of 2019, their salary, uh, their total salary was around 12 million, which is half of what Toronto, uh, half of what Toronto's is. And so Portland doesn't spend as much as there would probably be in the top six or seven or eight teams in the league. Um, but they compete every year. Like they've, they've been a good team, like a good to great team every year since I can remember really. So, um, I think part of it is just, um, spending a little bit of money. Like you have to spend some money to get decent DPs on your team, but then also just being a really well-run club. And so what you were mentioning before is, um, I was talking to Brock, who we had on the show last week. We were texting the other day and talking about how when Precourt started being interested in MLS, um, Paulson, Mary Paulson of Portland Timbers is one of the first people that he went to and was kind of the the person who who he was asking questions about this and and trying to figure out if it's something he wanted to get into. So I feel like if that's the person, I don't, I don't know how close they are. It seems like they're at least on a, a friendly, like a, a friendly basis. I don't know if they're like really good friends or not, but, um, if, if Anthony Precourt is calling someone for advice, like calling an owner for advice in MLS, I'm glad that it's, uh, Paulson and not like the crafts or the hunts or any of these other people who are on these like lowest five like the lowest paid teams in the league 
people who like aren't spending money and don't really care if the team is that good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that Portland is what he's looking at because I think that's a realistic thing for us to get into. There's we've seen we've seen lots of examples of how this club seems to be running really well and doing all the right things as far as just like building a really solid, well-run team. And so if I, I think if he's willing to spend even just some money, it doesn't, he doesn't need to spend top five in the league. I think if he spends top eight, top 10 in the league, we could be a really competitive team year in and year out. Yeah. And you know, somebody who's at the bottom that's had some success this year, which sort of be the best of both worlds is if they continue with Dallas, right? Cause I think Dallas, you said was, one of the lower salary teams, but if you could sort of combine the Portland style, you know, smart senior structure along with like building out an academy system like Dallas has done, like you, you kind of have, you kind of have the best of it. And it seems like they're really committed to that, you know, and everybody we've talked to and heard from, it really talks about transitioning, you know, those youth players to senior players. So if you can have that along with sort of this Portland style managing the roster, I mean, that would, that would be awesome. Absolutely. And with some of the new, um, the new rules coming into the league, if if you sell some of these young players, you're able to keep more of that money now and use it towards players, which wasn't always the the case in the past. And so we could even kind of create this new model where doing both of those things in a way that that other teams haven't really done yet. Yeah, and they and part of it's because they haven't had the opportunity to. Like it's a really good time to come into the league and be able to do that and and to build on that model because it's not something that has been available. All right. I think uh, I think that, that about does it for this episode. But before we go, we've got a few things we wanted to talk to you about. Um, both of the supporters groups ha- are now selling 2021 memberships. So, Jeremiah, would you mind giving us a few details about those? Yeah, for, for sure. So, uh, Austin Anthem started in mid-November. Um, the memberships for 2021 have four levels, ranging from free to $100 each having its own variety of benefits, you know, so you can get whatever works for you on that. And you can find more information on those at austinanthem.org. Um, Los Verdes started selling memberships today, recording today, but yesterday, release day, um, on November 30th. We should stick <laughs> I was going to say, just say the day. <laughs> <laughs> November 30th. Uh, and there's a, both a free membership and then a $35 membership, which is the main membership level there. Um, and you can find more information about that at losverdesatx.org. We would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. We would also like to ask you to visit CapitalCitySoccer.com, where Troy recently published an article about the backgrounds of the three new Austin FC assistant coaches. So we will be back next week with some more Austin FC and MLS news. Uh, We're also going to have interviews with Scott Adair from the Austin Soccer Foundation and Aaron Rockland of Soccer Assist about the good work that both of those organizations are doing in the community. Uh, Aaron's son also plays for the Austin FC U15 team, so we can probably get a little bit of academy talk out of him as well. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time.